Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. If you got your Bibles open to John chapter 10, John chapter 10. If you haven't had an opportunity to listen to Wednesday night service online, please go there um, and listen. One of the things that we're doing is sharing vision on Wednesday night. Matter of fact, we almost we have about this you know close to this many people on Wednesday night. If you're not coming to Wednesday night, you're missing maybe the best service we have. I just want to put that out there. I mean, it's ridiculous. Because everybody comes in and they need Jesus because they've been, you know, two days in and didn't have a Saturday and whoosh, they're, they're, you know, they're coming wide open. But anyway, what we discussed was how important it was to be in the word and be a people of the word of God. And we handed these out once again. You'll need to listen to the sermon, but these are available in the lobby. Liz is making them as we speak to make sure that there is enough. Grab one, then go listen to the sermon. And then uh, join with the team as we, as we, uh, as with the church as we um, go down that road. <clears throat> Before I get to preaching, let me give you an update. Would y'all like to have an update so I don't have to do it at like 50 different times or 100 different times? Um, currently, we're as far as we can go uh, uh, with. Uh, you know, we're just going to tap the brakes for a second. What we have to do, what we ha we're able to do, is we can move an acre of real estate without getting permitting. And then from then on, you've got to ha have that. And what we've really done is just upgraded the parking lot, which we already had. The That used to be a baseball field out there where the trees are, and we just quit cutting it. I used to, anybody remember me? I used to cut all that. Y'all remember that? Anybody remember all that? <coughs> so. We got that to the place where we could bring the the uh, the uh, modulars in. There's still seven modulars that are coming on Monday, and uh, that'll be the end of them. And um, so it's just over twenty thousand square feet, twenty thousand, yeah, twenty four thousand square feet of building that'll be here. Um, what we're doing is we're getting the permitting for not only the the school but also the expansion of the church facility. And we're getting it all at the same time so we can have it all approved so we can just so we can just run. And so that's the process that we're in currently. We're getting all that, uh, which is the design in here. The now this is a this is very loose goal, so don't panic if they don't actually if it gets pushed a little bit further, because we're trying to do this as frugally as we can. That's a better word than cheap. <clears throat> but this sanctuary here will seat between six and eight hundred when we get finished, and so we'll be able to do one service, and it's going to be absolutely fun. The stage will actually be back from about where that corner is, where John is back there in the back, where he got here this morning at six thirty, so he could have that seat. right about there and then it's going to come out just a little bit and go all the way across in this corner right here and go back over here and the sanctuary actually be sitting this way that door will be moved to the back and you'll actually exit out onto the patio area which David Garcia and his team are going to have put in uh, soon I hope and um, as soon as as soon as possible uh, 
and then uh, and then we'll then we'll begin that process. We're looking to Easter as our end goal. So that, that's pretty quick. It's pretty quick. So, you know, if we don't quite get Easter, okay, thank you. That's exactly right. Cool. Is that exciting? It is. It's amazing to me. We're going to read John chapter 10, 10, and we're going to go through the whole chapter. I'm going to go through all that. Now, in seminary, they teach you to do one or two verses, and then they want you to preach on that. But, it, you know, I've had, I've had those types of classes, and let me just tell you, I don't think for one second that you, you get lots more opinion of man than you get opinion of the word. And I'd much rather you have the word than the opinion of man. And so we're going to go through more than that. I'm going to try to do it quickly. Um, but I want to set it up a little bit. We're about to talk about, in John 10, an incredible miracle that Jesus did. The whole chapter is about a miracle of, of Jesus healing a man that was blind from birth. And there's just this process that's going on, but, but you can't get a hold of what's actually happening unless you know what's going on. That's why one little verse just doesn't cut it. Because, you, you, you know, to really get what we're talking about here, you actually need to read like three chapters. Because the story never stops. It kind of it moves forward. And it really begins in chapter 7 when it's talking about Jesus and his interaction with his brother. So, so you see in this story, this whole story, you see a political, it's very volatile politically. You know, there's this climate of, you know, division and, and you know, almost oppression uh, there. And then there's family issues that are going on that are pretty major in Jesus' life. He is, he is accused, and, and, and he is, um, he's really belittled by his family. And you see that in John chapter 7, the first few verses in John chapter 7, which we're not going to read. I'm just going to tell you about. This is basically the story. The story is that it is it's the, it's the feast, it's the great feast that happens um, every year, Passover. And it's the year before Jesus actually is crucified at Passover. And he is only ministering in Galilee, which is the sea around, you know, the, the Sea of Galilee. It's the area of Capernaum and uh, that, that area, which is on the south side of Israel, the south side of Israel, yes. And so he's ministering there, and the reason he is because in Judea, they want to kill him. It says that the Jews are trying to kill Jesus, and he knows it, and he says to his brothers, you know, I'm not going to Passover. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not, I'm not heading that direction. And then, and then they said this, because they were trying to kill him. The Jews were trying to kill him. It says this in Scripture. And his brothers say to him, man, why don't you go to Judea? Why don't you go up there and why don't you do all your stuff that you're doing in Judea? Because don't your followers in Judea need to, deserve to see what you're doing? And then it says about his brothers they said this because they didn't believe that Jesus was who he was. That's like saying, why don't you go to North Korea? 
I mean, just put it in context for just a moment. His brothers are they patronizing him. They, they're, they're making fun of him. They're belittling him. Say, so why don't you just go to North Korea? Don't the people in North Korea need to hear and see what you're doing? Knowing that in that region, he would be killed, right? And so basically, that's what they're saying. That is the climate that Jesus is ministering in. He said about your and my ministry that if he suffered like this, then we were going to suffer like this. And so if you're, if you're having, you know, if you're getting resistance from your family members because of your faith, you need to count that as good. If you're not, you need to count it as bad because you not, might not be radical enough. You might need to kick up the radical a little bit in your life Because of the miraculous. And that's what you're going to see in, 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 in chapter 10. In chapter 10, you see Jesus dealing with a lot of different stuff, including religion. And it's one of the major things, pride and religion, when it comes to the word of God, is being dealt with majorly in chapter 10. Jesus comes, and he comes to uh the, 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 the city, and he's in the synagogue, and he's teaching, and they get mad at him, and they try to grab him and kill him, and he begins to leave, and on his way out of this volatile situation where somebody's trying to grasp him and kill him, he sees a man that was blind at birth. You see, if you don't know the situation in which Jesus is healing this man, it just kind of slides by. And if you just think that that was a time in history that you know, we're not going to have to deal with, you really need to begin to relate what's went on there with what's going to go on here. And the closer we get to end times, the more it's going to look like that. And if it doesn't look like that, then we really aren't doing what we need to be doing. And so here we go, chapter 10. You ready? Most assuredly, I say to you, oop, chapter 9. Did I say chapter 10? We'll get there, but we're going to start in 9. I looked down and went, oh, my gosh, that's the wrong chapter. Chapter 9. Now, as Jesus passed by, he's leaving. He hid himself, and he went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and he passed by. And as he passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him, in the man that was blind. Now, the first thing we do, the first thing that we try to do in, in our culture is we try to say now, Everybody's sick so that Jesus can be glorified. And that's just, that's just not, not, that's not the case. In this particular case, that was the way it was. And in other cases, it might be. But not every case. Some cases are caused by sin. Some cases of sickness are caused by sin. And sometimes generational sin. And so it's not all heaped in this one big pile, but we do know this, 
No matter whether it came generationally, no matter whether it came because of an individual sin, or whether it came so that God could be glorified, God wants to redeem the situation 100% of the time and wants to reveal his glory in every situation. So we do know that to be true, but how people get in certain conditions is different. This particular guy is not a sinner, nor was his parents a sinner that caused him to be blind at birth, which was a a teaching that was being taught in the church at that particular time in history. And so Jesus answers and he says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. And he says, I must work the works of him, God, who Father, who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no work can be done. The night is a reference to the crucifixion. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and he made clay with his saliva. And I love this. And he anointed with spit the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Shalom, which is translated sent. So he went and he washed and he came back and he was seen. Therefore the neighbors. <laughs> Say that with me. Therefore the neighbors. <laughs> uh, that's enough to stop preaching right there, isn't it? And those who previously seen that he was blind said, is, is not this he who sat and begged? And some said, this is he. Others says, he's like him. I think he looks like him. And he said, I'm he. They for, therefore they said to him, how were your eyes open? And he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Shalom and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? And he said, I don't know. And they brought him, who formerly was blind, to the Pharisees. Incredibly interesting. What you're about to see, and what I want you to take notice of, is all of these neighbors. These neighbors see and they have an opinion. How, how did this happen? Isn't this him? Or, does it just, or is it just somebody that looks like him? You know, how many times you and me, I, I don't know about you, but I'm very guilty of this. How many times when we hear about a miracle, do we look for a reason to explain away the miracle? How many times do we look for a reason that, it, that it's just not God doing it, that, that it's got to be coincidence or, or it looks like it, but it's really not? I mean, we have a hard time with, with just coming to grips that God still does miracles as they do here. And he said, he said uh, where's the guy? Where's Jesus? And he said, I don't know. And so then they take the man who is, now healed, and they bring him to the Pharisees. And they brought him 
who formerly was blind to the Pharisees, and now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Now, let me just point out to you, again, a religious person would look at that as a negative. You know, that, that was work on the Sabbath. In other words, the fruit of the miraculous was not as important as the rule. Right? You see that here, and you see us doing it all the time. We, you see us trying to use Scripture to explain away the miraculous, to explain away that God doesn't do things like that anymore. He quit doing that at some time in history because the Word says, now watch the transgression. Now it was the Sabbath when Jesus did this, and the Pharisees also asked him again. He said, ask him again who had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay to my eyes and washed, and I see. And therefore some of the Pharisees says, the man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do these kind of signs? And so there's confusion and accusation. And then there was division among them. And they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received sight until they called the parents of it. So they called the parents of him who had received his sight. Let's call his mom and daddy. I just really want you to see how this, this is just like we do. It's just, you know, it's a little bit wordy as far as the writing, but it's everyday stuff. Let's call his mom and daddy. So they call his mom and daddy, and the mom and daddy come in, and they ask them, saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? That you say, you said he was born blind, but we're not really sure he's born blind. I mean, he sees now, so obviously something, ha you know, they're explaining away. You see it again. You say he was born blind. His parents answered him and said, we know that this is our son, and we know this, that he was born blind. But we don't know how he got his eyesight. We don't know how his eyes were open. He's of age. Why don't you ask him? He can talk for himself. And the reason they did this is because they were fearful of man. They were much more fearful of man than they were God. They had seen a miraculous work of God. Listen, they had seen a miraculous work of God, and they were still scared of what somebody else was going to think about the miraculous work of God. And they were embarrassed, and they didn't want to reap the consequences of what would happen if they came to the place where they got accused of believing that Jesus was God because they'd get run out of the temple. In other words, they would deny that Jesus was God even though they, he had healed his son so that they would be in right standing with the people that were in charge. Because of the political climate and the authority in the religious element of things. Listen. This is written in here so that you and I can learn how to begin to deal with the miraculous and, and our radical belief 
that God is still a healing God and not be ashamed? Are you ready to be ridiculed? Seriously. Are you ready to be ridiculed? Are you scared that if you start believing that God wants to heal and do miracles that your neighbors are going to think you're nuts? Or your boss? Are you going to be fearful to proclaim that Jesus is the only way to heaven? That he is the light? That he is God in the workplace? Because you'll lose your job? This is written here for a reason. You say, well, that's my livelihood. That's fear. It's if you take a stand for Jesus, as if Jesus can't take a stand for you. You know, if you got fired from your job, I just, I just would guess Jesus might have another job. <laughs> you say, that's radical. Let's watch. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing, the man says. And they answered and said to him, you were completely born in sins, and you're teaching us? And they cast him out. They disqualified him. They disqualified him because of their religious belief that the reason that he was sick was because of his sin. And he is giving them truth, and they have no ability to hear the truth because their ears are shut, their heart is hard, and their eyes are not open. And if you'll read this scripture all the way through 10, which you're going to have to do, which is where I had you start, <laughs> It's going to get to the place where John says, I come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. But the thief comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. You know what he's talking about? The religious political system. He's still talking about this story. It's part of this story. See, we got it in chapter 10. It's not in chapter 9. And so we, we separate that. This is not a separation. Jesus said there's a system of the world. There's a political system and a religious system that would have you believe things that are contrary to the will and the ways of God, and they come to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come to give you life. I've come to give you truth. I've come to give you hope. I've come to give you abundance. And I am the gate of abundance. I am the good shepherd. There's no way to this abundance except through me. There's no other way. There's no way that learning and being legalistic and religious about the word of God can bring you in. It can't do it. The only way is a personal relationship with the God who 
is alive and well today. It's the only way. He is the gate. He is the way. And it says about us, it says in this passage of 10, as you read it, that we can go in and out. In other words, we can do life in this world following Jesus, knowing the truth, comfortably, comfortably and abundantly only through him. It's only through him. But I want you to understand that it's still about this story. Let's keep going. What verse am I in? Yeah, there. Thank you very much. I thought I was past that. I did skip a lot. And Jesus heard what they had said. And they heard what Jesus said, and they cast him out. And when he had found him, he had said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord? <laughs> Capital L-O-R-D. Who is he, Yahweh? Who is he, Jehovah? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. And then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I have come into the world that those who do not see may see and those who see may be made blind. Let me tell you what this means. That means those who don't have revelation yet, those who can't see yet, he came, he's, he did what he, he's doing what he's doing and he's trying to reveal what he's revealing so that, so that the less prideful, less intelligent people, maybe even, would be able to hear and see and receive. And those who think they know and who are prideful about what they think they know would be blinded. There is so much religious pride in our nation and it is unbelievable. It is absolutely amazing. And Jesus is saying right here that he came to blind those who were religiously prideful and open the eyes of those who think they know nothing. And then some of the Pharisees who heard Jesus said to him, are we blind too? And Jesus said to them, yeah. <laughs> Listen to what he says. If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. You think you know, and because you think you know, your sin's still here. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. You see, you see the continuation. You, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Who entered by the door? He's the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. 
Does that sound like personal relationship? It sounds like personal relationship. It doesn't sound like a bunch of rules and regulations. It sounds like relationship. They know his voice, yet they will not by, by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus said to use these illustrations, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. And then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters to me, he'll be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to kill, steal, and destroy. And I come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And we talked just a little bit Wednesday night about the importance of your personal relationship with Jesus and the importance of knowing the word, not in a religious way, but so that you can know the character and nature of God. And that we had to become a word people and there was no longer any excuses for not being in the word every day. That you need to be in the word every day. Say that with me. I need to be in the word every day. Not so I can be prideful or religious, but so I can know the Lord, so that he can lead and guide me, so, so that I can go in and out about my day and know the voice of God. You know, that freaks people out. You go tell people you think you hear from God and see if they don't freak them out. It does, doesn't it? I heard, I heard the Lord say. Yeah, the Lord was speaking to me the other day. Really? Oh, yeah. Because he says, my sheep know my voice. I'm, I, I'm his child. I mean, he, he speaks to me, talks to me. He leads me to righteousness. You don't have to worry. Everything he does is good. But the devil... The thief comes through the church and through the political system and through the world system to rob you of the truth of the will and the ways of God. But if you're in the word, if you're in the secret place, if you're abiding in the shadow of the Almighty, then... When the voice comes that is contrary to the word of God, when the voice comes that's the political system, when the voice comes that's religious and doesn't have grace on it, doesn't have love on it, doesn't have good on it, doesn't have righteousness on it, you're not going to you're not going to follow. Why? Because you know the voice of God. Because you know the way of God. And God is a miracle working to God. He wants to show the world who he is through the miraculous. He still does. How many would suggest that your radical life change was a miracle? How many have been in the room right now, how many have been 
healed of addiction. Would you just stand if you've been healed of addiction? I'm standing. If you've been healed of addiction, would you stand? Okay, if you have been healed physically from sickness, would you join these? Let's give the Lord praise. <laughs> you can be seated. Now listen, if God begins to turn up the heat in this place and really begins to do incredible miracles, we're going we're gonna to catch flack. There's not a, go on the internet. You find a church that miraculous has happened, happening in on Sundays, and look at the comments. It's horrific. It's absolutely awful. I'm just telling you, this is a warning. It's about to begin. Because it always has been. They did it to Jesus. They're going to do it to us. And the question is, you ready to be ridiculed for the gospel? I can't wait to be ridiculed for the gospel. I'm kind of pumped up about it. <laughs> There's a call from the Lord to open your minds and to not try to make excuses for the miraculous in your own life and the expectation of that are miraculous because you're a child of God. So I want to encourage you as I close, are you expecting God to use you to do the miraculous? Yes? Really? Seriously? Yes? Me too. I stand for closing prayer. Father, in the political climate that we're in currently and in the religious climate we're in and how, how this nation needs revival from the church, and that word is used a lot lately, but we need to come alive to who you are, God, and not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that you're the healer, you're the redeemer, you're the restorer, you are the provision supernaturally. That you don't do things that aren't supernatural. You do things, you use the natural, but you do things that are outside the natural. And I pray that we don't listen to the voices that would come and steal, kill, and destroy.
that we would be open to you, open to your word, open to your way, be radically conformed to the image of God so that the radical ministry of the power of the Holy Spirit would be seen in and through us. I thank you for that, God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.